The following sermon is from Christ Church Port Orange. For more information, find us online at joinwithjesus.org. If you have Thanks your Bible, listening. would you open to Psalm 118? Psalm 118. Before we jump into the scriptures, though, I wanted to mention we are, we're a growing church and we are in the process of expanding and building a 15,000 square foot, 600 seat auditorium for adults so that we can transform this old space into a place dedicated for our children, which we are blessed to have many of, praise Jesus. And, and um, so for the last 23 months, we've been working together uh, to pledge and to give generously so that we can put it together enough money to make that happen. Our project is really, really close to being underway, and we'll have some, uh, some details about that coming up real soon. Um, but each month, on the second week of the month, uh, we have been kind of just giving an update on our pledges. So the, the experts told us that if we hit 90% of our monthly pledges, then that would be a successful campaign. And uh, the Lord just put it in our hearts to, to hit or exceed 100%. And so we've been talking about that every single month for the last 23 months. And uh, December was no different. Uh, in December, we had 116% of pledge. Uh, isn't that amazing? Super cool. I mean, December, I don't know. I don't know if you guys felt that little pinch at the end of the year there. I felt a little tight at the Jarvis household. So uh, I thought, well, maybe this will be the month that we don't hit 100, but 116. And then something... Thank you, Chuck. Then something happened that I wasn't expecting. Some friends who had been a part of Christ Church for years but relocated to North Carolina uh, called me out of the blue, and I picked up the phone and said, what's going on, and how are things? And they said, uh, things aren't awesome. We're still looking for a place to live and to, and to find a church home, but because of the live stream, we've been able to stay connected to Christ Church and follow along for the last 18 months, and it's really been a blessing to our family. And so uh, because we don't have a church here, I've got all this um, tithe money that's just sitting here piling up and we'd like to send it. Can I send it, can I send it to the One Life Initiative? How would, that, would that be okay? Yeah, that'd be fine. Yeah, that'd be fine. <laughs> so it almost doubled our December giving, 234% of pledge to One Life in December. Isn't that insane? Woo! So just in case we were unclear, we do accept piles of money. I don't know. I don't know. Mostly we just celebrate two things. One is that, man, God can just do whatever he wants, wherever he wants in the hearts of his people, doesn't he? Isn't it just amazing? God can just do anything, amen? And then isn't it just a miracle? Isn't it just a miracle how God transforms our hearts to want to love him and please him and serve him with the money he entrusts to our care? Isn't that amazing? God, I can think of some things I would do with that much money, can you? And yet it's in this family's heart to be generous towards God and others. And they don't, they're not even gonna be here to sit in that building. And so I thank God for them and for all of you and for God's faithfulness, amen? Um, also, I just wanna say, we're gonna, um, maybe if, if this whole thing's been hard for you and you haven't had the finances to be involved, and I can, Tiffany and I were there for years and years and years and years, just barely, barely, barely scraping by. And one of the things that helped tra- change our experience was taking Dave Ramsey's Financial Peace University. Have you guys ever done that? It was life-changing for us. And I had done crown money management and the money map and all kinds of other stuff, but financial peace was super helpful, not just because it was wildly entertaining and fun, uh, but also because it gave us a vision for just beyond getting out of debt or, or spending and saving in certain parameters. And um, so we're gonna host Financial Peace University here at Christ Church starting in February for nine weeks. And uh, it's open to the whole community. It's not just a Christ Church event. And so there'll be people coming in from, you know, throughout Volusia County. And um, we're gonna be hosting that. So if you've never done that, or if you would kind of like describe your financial situation as like in any way a mess, 
uh, I strongly encourage you to. It's well worth the nine weeks, the time investment and the small fee that it costs. And if you have... If you, if you need help with the fee so that you can do this, like let us know because we want to see everybody uh, established and growing uh, in their finances as well. So that's happening starting in February. And we're not uh, hosting the registration. You can go right to FPU's website and type in find a class near me and ours will pop up and you can register right there. So uh, super easy and that's already up for today. All right, Psalm 118. Psalm 118. So if you weren't here last week, I challenged everybody three challenges and an invitation. The first challenge was to share your testimony on social media uh, or with a real person. Uh, the second challenge was to get in a group if you're not already in one so that you have some relationships that you're building so you can follow Jesus with other people. And then the third thing was a big challenge. I challenged everybody to join us in reading the whole Bible in six months. I was waiting for the gasp because there was a gasp last Sunday. Um, no, I get it because like some people are like, I'm seven years into my one-year Bible. So like, I don't know how that's going to work. Um, and maybe you've hit some obstacles, but I think what you're going to find this go around is something entirely different. And we're going to do this together as a church. And I am really, really, really excited about it. Tiffany challenged me just under six months ago to read the Bible in six months. I'd never done it in six months. So I was like, all right, I did it. I finished uh, 16 days early and it blew my mind. I mean, the experience uh, was, was life altering, really, really shape shifting for me in my experience of God by reading sections of the scriptures at that at that level, and then at that pace to be able to see things come together in ways that I never had, even as I've read the Bible in a year or, or over longer periods of time or in big sections at a time, doing it straight through really was eye-opening. And so I, I really want to challenge everybody uh, who's a part of Christ Church to do that. And we're using Uversion's app. So how many of you guys have Uversion on your phone for the Bible? Do you use it? Yeah, it's a great app. It's got all kinds of free stuff on there. There's, there's uh, plans and there's different versions of the Bible. So if you go on Uversion, you go down to the little discover section, you type in Christ Church Port Orange, you'll find us. And you can set as my church and you can see all the people who are a part of this with us. You can add them as your friends. And this becomes like interactive. So as you're reading it, you can highlight a verse, you can make a note and it'll, it'll post that in like a little stream and it'll let you see what other people are experiencing. And um, starting next Sunday, because we're gonna start doing this tomorrow. I know some of you started this past week, you're overachievers. You're already succeeding. Don't you feel good about yourself? Uh, we're all gonna start this tomorrow. Starting next Sunday, I'm just gonna pull from the week's reading for the sermon. I'm just gonna be seeking the Lord about what from this week's reading do you wanna speak uh, to your people? And I wanna encourage you to also engage in that, to see what is the Holy Spirit saying through the word as we're reading it together. And I wonder for how many people, the thing we end up talking about on Sunday will be something that really stuck out to you as well. So my goal is for this to be uh, highly interactive. So this morning though, um, just asking the Lord to speak and seeing what he wants to share with us. And uh, he directed me and Tiffany in our conversations to a concept. And the concept was the day. Somebody say the day the day. This is a theme that comes all through the scriptures and it's in various places with various applications, but it's the idea of the moment that we live in, the day that we're walking in and that God wants to uh, walk with us every single day. This is, this is the moment we have. And so we put together a variety of scriptures and one of them really stood out to me and I want to share that with you this morning. Psalm 118 verses 19 to 24 and verse 24 is the scripture and it'll be familiar to you when we read it. Here we go. Psalm 118 19 to 24. Open to me the gates of righteousness, the psalmist says, that I may enter through them and give thanks to the Lord. This is the gate of the Lord. The righteous shall enter through it. 
I thank you that you have answered me and have become my salvation. Now here's the gate. You ready? Verse 22. The stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. This is the Lord's doing, and it is marvelous in our eyes. This is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. God, we thank you for your word that has been read in our hearing. We thank you for the realities that it opens our our eyes, our minds, and our spirits to. God, I pray by your Holy Spirit that we would not only understand, but experience the power of the promises contained in these six verses. God, I pray that not just today, but as we embark to spend time with you in your word, that we would begin to encounter you in a daily way that is transformative. God, I pray that we would be a people filled with the fullness of God. And we ask for your help, God, as we turn our attention to these words, we pray that our minds would be alert, that our hearts would be hungry, and that we would give consideration to this truth and what it means for our lives. Speak to us, we pray, in Jesus' mighty name. And all God's people said, amen, amen. Thank you for praying with me multiple times already this morning. And I wanna invite you, we are now hosting Thursday lunch hour prayer time. We are here at the church, the whole staff from 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. We would love for you to come pray with us. You can pray for five minutes or 50 minutes. We had a bunch of people came out this past Thursday, the first time we've done this. And like everybody was there at 11 and everybody stayed until one. It was crazy. We had a beautiful time in God's presence. And I would love for you, if you can squeeze that into your day in any way, shape or form, come out and pray with us. Uh, You will be glad that you did. So I wanna talk to you a little bit about the day. And I want to talk to you about this six-month Bible reading journey that we're going on. So I mentioned that I started it. It's 183 days long. And when I saw that, I opened up the little plan. I clicked start this plan. It said day one of 183. And if you're like me, your mind may have instantly gone to, what day will 183 be? Did you guys, anybody think that way? I did. I was like, okay, 183 days. And then I started to think, like, how, how much of this am I going to have to do? And then I looked at the day. And in fact, I know some of you are saying, you're not techie, but look what we have for you at the Welcome Center. <laughs> Actual paper with every day's reading assignment on it for you to scratch off with a pen. <laughs> every day. Yeah, you're welcome. You're welcome. Yeah, you're welcome. These are hard to read in the dark, though. They're not a backlit screen, just so you know. Started thinking about 183 days. What's this going to feel like? What's this going to look like? What face? What obstacles am I going to face? What I found though is, as I started reading through Genesis and Exodus and Leviticus, even Leviticus, I was, I was just so hungry and experiencing God in a new way that I just, I just could not get enough. And some days I would read into the next day and the next day, and I ended up ending the six months early. But I'll tell you when I got bogged down. Are you ready? First Chronicles. <laughs> I got to First Chronicles, and I'm like, because it's basically just a re-rendering of First and Second Kings but from a different angle. And so I felt like I was getting an edited rerun. Remember back in the 80s when they would show a movie on television and it was edited for time and content? Those are all the videos my dad taped off of the television with the VHS recorder. Those are the, those are the videos I grew up with. It felt like Chronicles was one of those VHS tapes to me. And I just found myself kind of slogging through it and losing 
the, uh, the kind of momentum that I had. And then I started like trying to figure out, okay, why is this book even in here? Why do we need a rerun? And I found the key to Chronicles. This is why this is in here. And this is why this matters. And suddenly it all came life for me again. And this happened a couple more times. And so in the sermon series, I'm gonna give you like the key before you get to the section. Cause this happened to me again in Job. <laughs> I got to Job and I was like, brah, brah, brah. And part of it is Job's really long and it's like the oldest book in the Bible and it's kind of hard to understand. And some of it is like nine chapters of bad advice. You're like, I already have friends that do this for me. I don't need, I don't need to spend 40 minutes on your bad advice, you know? And so, but, but it's helpful to understand the whole, the whole book of Job because the bad advice ends up being taken out and you go, this is not a good way to think, but many of us think that way and so it's really helpful. But you gotta know that going into it, right? Because if you find yourself agreeing with all nine chapters of bad advice, then you get to the end, you're like, oh, whoops, glad I read to the end before calling my friends, you know, whatever. So here's how I think. Started thinking about what was gonna slow me down or stop me. And maybe thinking like, I, I won't ever finish. Do you guys ever, we got some unfinishers in the house. You don't have to raise your hand. If you do, just raise them like halfway. No, I'm just kidding. So you start thinking, I'm not gonna make it. Now, here's what I have discovered about people. Um, a lot of things, but one of them is some people tend to live in the future and some people tend to live in the past. Now, I'm a future thinker and I'm a, I'm a natural optimist. I'm one of those people that starts planning my next vacation while on vacation. You guys, anybody else do that? You ever like having like a super good time and you're like day five, you're like, when am I gonna do this again? You ever do that? My wife is like, could you be in this moment with me for a second and stop planning for our next vacation? So there's the people that like live in the future and that can be optimistic or pessimistic. I know some people who are like, oh my gosh, we better start saving now because when we're 83, you're like, well, you're 36. You need to calm down a little bit. You know what I mean? Can we, can we bring the temperature down just a little bit? So you could be like on the downside or the upside, but you're always kind of thinking about what's next, what's next, what's next, what's next. But there's also people who aren't like that at all. Some of you are like, people are like that. Yep, they're like that. There's also some people though that they tend to live in the past. And that can also be optimistic or pessimistic. You know, those optimistic people are the glory day people. You know, the nostalgia people, you know, like Uncle Rico syndrome. Back in 1985, I could throw a football over those mountains, you know? No, you couldn't do that, Uncle Rico. But you glorify the past. And it kind of makes you sad in the present. Like, remember, things aren't the way they used to be. Back in the good old days, you ever say that? The good old days? Or the day. See, when you're young, you say the day. Oh, back in the day. But then when you're like old, you're like, the day was like 45 minutes ago. You know, like I remember the day. I have genes from the day. That's, that's how, and then you start talking about my day. You start back in my day. That's how you know you've, that's how you know you're old. When you say, when you say my day instead of the day, you know? And so that has a way of trapping you into something that creates a, no, no expectation of good for the future because the, the good stuff's past. And now you're kind of like resigned to the present and you're kind of expecting like a, just a future that's meh. But you can also kind of flip into a past perspective that's kind of negative. And this is where you can kind of get in the trauma maze where you want to move forward and you want to be in the moment, but something, things continue to trigger you and it takes you back to a place of or a cycle or a period of time where you went through something really hard. And instead of living in the present, you end up going into a maze where you relive the past again and again and again. And what if this, and if that person hadn't done this, and if this situation hadn't gone this way, and if only I had done this, if I'd only made this choice. And instead of being in the moment, you end up in this condition where you are living in a dark past, unable to escape from it. And so I don't know where, and I think we all experience these in various ways. We're not all just future, just negative, just past, just positive. Here's the reality though that we see in Psalm 118 is that our God is the God of the now. 
Do you know that? And the invitation throughout the scripture is to encounter God today, today. And so I don't know if you're using the day to talk about your, your future, the wedding day, the big day, graduation day, groundbreaking day, move-in day, vacation day, just around the corner, there's another corner. Or back in the day, back in my day, in the good old days, the God who made you wants to walk with you today. And so the sermon title is today is the day. Today is the day. Today is the day. Tomorrow will be tomorrow's day, but tomorrow is not the day. Do you know that? Today is the day. This is the day that the Lord has made, or maybe better rendered, the Lord has done it. Because this is all about coming into God's presence, having been preserved and protected and saved, having God come around you on all sides and bring you back into his presence. Open to me the gates of righteousness that I may enter through them and give thanks to the Lord. I am in a relationship with Yahweh, Lord, capital L-O-R-D. He is the covenant-making God of the Old Testament and he is my God and I'm coming with gratitude because of what he has done. And so swing open the gates so I can come in. Isn't that beautiful? Because today is the day. Today is the day he wants to meet with you. Today is the day he wants to bless you. Today is the day he wants to hear from you. Today is the day he wants to speak to you. And so open the gates. Now, these were literal gates in the Old Testament. The psalmist had a picture of the temple and of the gates open and of festal gatherings and people coming to the temple to gather in God's name and to experience a little taste of what we experience every Sunday. And so open up the gates, but they're gates of righteousness because in God's presence, he is holy. He is set apart. He is righteous. And so you go through the cleansing process before you come in. And then you are atoned for by the priest so that you are clean before God because you can't be in his presence unless you are made right, in the right, righteous because the presence of God is holy and the gates of God are the gates of righteousness. Now this was the psalmist experience. And yet even in this very psalm, he prophesies and projects what was going to become for us the entry point. Jesus said in John chapter 10 and verse nine, I am the gate. Whoever comes through me, it is he who shall be saved and will come in and go out and find pasture. Isn't that beautiful? The, the stone that the builders rejected has indeed become the cornerstone. Now we get to see things a little different from our vantage point, but the invitation is the same. If you're God's person, God is saying, come into my presence today. Why? Because it's not about what happened in the past. That's forgiven. It's not about what will come in the future. That's unknown. What it's about is our God is the God of today. And today is the day. Hmm. I want to set you up for success in this Bible reading plan too. Uh, I know I'm not a perfectionist. Any of you who know me know that I'm not a perfectionist. But I think all of us have this like little mini perfectionist that lives on the inside of us that comes out every once in a while. And so one of the features that version has when you're doing one of these Bible plans is it will count how many days in a row you engaged with the plan and you create what's called my streak. Have you guys ever done this? Any of you using it already? I didn't, I didn't do this before, so this was new to me. And so I was like, well, that's kind of silly. I saw that feature. You have completed one day. And then on day three, I was like, I have a three-day streak. This is silly. And then on day 31, I was like, I'm pretty proud of myself. <laughs> I was. And then I was like, it was weird. It was a weird little feeling. And then I was like, day 64, I kid you not, it was a Sunday. And I was getting ready for church. And I was like, I'm going to read later. I'll read this afternoon or something. 
and I'd done it 64 days in a row, no days off. And then Sunday night came and I was, got distracted. And then Monday morning, I got up, you know what it said? Your streak is zero. And I felt all bad inside. I was like, I'm a loser. <laughs> I did. I was like, this ru- I ruined it. Stop, I'm just giving up. I'm not even gonna finish. No, and I just wanna prepare you for that moment if it happens to you. What I discovered though, is you can just like literally open the app and just click on the verse. You don't have to read one word and it'll keep your streak intact. It's true. It's true. Guess how many times I reset my, strength, my streak since then? Zero times, yes. Yeah. I'm just being honest. This is, a, this, is a, this is a house of integrity right here. I'll tell you. I'm gonna tell you how this works. I'm gonna tell you how this works. I also, if you, wanna, if you wanna go along with everybody, but you don't like scrolling and, and reading, like you can actually just use the app and you can just check the scriptures that you read. I just wanna remind you that God is watching. <laughs> yeah. yeah, This is a read the Bible in six months, not check the black circles for six months, okay? Okay, nobody cares. You could be lying, nobody cares. Because we're in this for uh, quality and not for quantity. But I do wanna prepare you because I wanna save you from living in the past. I want you to come into the present and live with the God of today, because today is the day. I want to pull you out of spending your life in a future that may not even come to pass. One of our instructors from Pastors College, Betsy, she used to tell us, God doesn't give you grace for your imagination. I'll never forget that. You ever, you ever encounter someone who's going through something so difficult, they're suffering so bad, and there's like this grace on them? You're like, how are you living? How are you getting out of bed? How are you putting one foot in front of the next? And it's the grace of God on a person and you go, I don't know how you could do that. I could never do that. And the reason is it's not yours to bear. It's theirs to bear. And so God's gonna give them the grace they need. But we do this thing where we think about all the bad things that could happen and we live as though they will happen. And God doesn't give you grace for that because that's not today. Do you know that? Jesus said this on the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter six. Do you remember? He was saying the godless people, the Gentiles, they literally spend their days worrying about food and drink and clothing you remember this? this? is Matthew chapter six. He said, therefore do not be anxious, verse 31, saying, what shall we eat? What shall we drink? What shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after these things, but look, your heavenly father knows, present tense, that you need them all. Your heavenly father. You see the different reality here? They're worrying because they're godless and don't have anybody watching out for them, but you have this day and a heavenly father. Now, we do the same thing. How many of you guys have ever put, we did the Financial Peace University and the first step is to put $1,000 into an emergency fund. When you're, when you're 26 and have $0, $1,000 feels like a million dollars. And I'll never forget how hard we work to get our $1,000 together. And it's your emergency fund. Like you don't touch it in case like the washer breaks or something bad happens. Like that's what that money is there for. And I'll never forget the feeling of having $1,000 in the bank. I felt like I had like, I, had, I was good for like, Eight days. <laughs> I just felt like eight days worth of peace. I was like, wow, this is a good feeling. And then you save some more money and you have some investments. And then you get this feeling like I'm looking at this and I'm calculating it in months and years. And then there's the day I can retire out there, right? And there's this peace that money can give you that everything's gonna be okay because I have this much money. Now it's a false sense of peace because that much money can disappear like that. Somebody say amen. But it is a weird sense of peace we have and these super poor Israelites in the ancient Near East, they only had enough for today. And so where did they end up worrying? Tomorrow. But Jesus didn't say, I've got you every day. You never have to worry about a thing. You know what he said? He said, sufficient is the day for his trouble. Let tomorrow worry about itself. That's not comforting at all. <laughs> What's he saying is, I want to walk with you today. I want to reveal to you your heavenly father for today. 
because he's gonna feed you and he's gonna clothe you today. What about tomorrow? Forget about tomorrow. Let's talk about today. Tomorrow we'll worry about tomorrow because that'll be today. Do you see what he's doing here? It's beautiful. This is the stuff of faith, brothers and sisters. You see, we serve the God of now. We serve the God of today. And this requires us to trust him and to walk with him, to talk with him, to pray to him, to address him, to listen to him. And this is why opening the scriptures is so powerful. We're not doing an intellectual exercise. We could read Homer's Iliad if we wanted to do that. We're not trying to gain more knowledge. We are seeking to encounter God in his word. Will we gain knowledge? Yes. Will you know new things at the end of the six months? I do. Is that the goal? No, our goal is to walk with God, to speak with him, to learn from him, to learn, to listen, to see what it is he's done, to understand how this whole story fits together. Today is the day. Take this whole uh, cornerstone concept, for instance, in verse 22, right? So this is the gate of the Lord. And it's marvelous in our sight. The stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. This is the Lord's doing. It is marvelous in our sight. Matthew, Mark, and Luke, Jesus plays off of this revelation to describe himself when he is rejected by the Pharisees and the religious leaders. In all three of the gospels, he goes, you're gonna reject me. You're gonna be, I'm gonna be a rock of offense, a stone of stumbling, but I'm gonna be the cornerstone. And he just says it like that. And they just, Go along with the plan. They're just hard-hearted and they reject him and he becomes the cornerstone. Paul says in Ephesians 2.20, Christ Jesus himself, the cornerstone of the church. This is what God was planning all along. Isaiah the prophet, 600 BC. He took this same idea from King David in the Psalms. In verse 16 of chapter 28, Isaiah says, therefore, thus says the Lord God, behold, I am the one who has laid, past tense, as a foundation in Zion, the city of God, a stone, a tested stone, a precious cornerstone of a sure foundation. And then you read, whoever believes will not be in haste. This is one of those confusing things in the Bible. You're like, what? Because it kind of reads in English, like whoever believes on the stone will not be in a hurry. And that's weird. But the reality is, it's an idiom. And if you read other, other translations, they interpret the idiom and express it in different ways. And the picture here in Hebrew is, whoever has the Lord as their foundation doesn't do this. You guys ever do that? You ever seven minutes late? You ever been seven minutes late? I was this morning for church. Seven minutes late. And then you forget something and you have to go back inside. You don't walk back inside like, I'm just gonna get that thing I forgot. You run like a six-year-old on the pool deck. <laughs> Like it makes any difference at all, right? You've, been, you've radically increased the chance of you tripping and falling and being later, and you look like a fool. And this is the idiom. Whoever has the Lord as their foundation doesn't make haste. One of the passages, one of the translations says, we'll never be in a panic. I like that. Will not be disturbed. Will not be disappointed, one says. Afraid, another says. Worried, another says. Ashamed, says another's will by no means be shaken or put positively, whoever has their feet on the cornerstone will be unshakable. Unshakable. This is, what, this is why God wants to bring you into the day. Today is the day. He wants you to bring you into right now. He wants you to encounter him. He wants to fill your heart and mind and spirit with himself so that you live a life that is solid, unhurried, unpanicked, no worry, no shame, because you know whose you are and the ground on which you stand. You could have seven zeros in the bank account or one zero in the bank account. 
doesn't matter because money is not your foundation. God is your foundation. Everything could be going well for you. It could be in optimum health and all your relationships are humming or you could be on your deathbed in total chaos. It will not matter because you are standing firm on the foundation that is Christ. And that is not what every day feels like unless you make today your day to walk with God. It doesn't. We end up spiritually and all otherwise <laughs> freaking out. And Isaiah says, not for us. Now, Peter got the same thing. Peter, I love Peter. In the gospels, Peter is the knucklehead. So buckle up for the, for the gospels. And, and Peter's wonderful because kind of Peter's all of us. He, does anybody have logaria where you just say too many words? <laughs> That's where they just say, oh, I wish I could get that back. That's Peter every time. He's like, let me just say a thing before I've thought it through. I love that. The Bible's so real like that. And that's Peter. And he has these interactions with Jesus. Jesus says to him, just a couple chapters apart, he says, um, you are Peter and on this rock, I will build my church. And then a few verses later, he says, get behind me, Satan. <laughs> like, so my nicknames are the rock and Satan, the enemy. So Peter's this guy who like all of us has had this journey of getting to walk with God and experience him in various ways. Jesus, the revelation of Jesus, the day of Pentecost being filled with the Holy Spirit, the calling of being part of his church, being a leader, experiencing betrayal from different people. He's a real, real, real person. And when Jesus gives a guy whose name is Simon, which means shifty, the nickname, The Rock, like Dwayne Johnson, <laughs> and says, don't you think, think about this, upon this rock, I will build my church. Now for centuries, everyone's going, is, is Peter The Rock? Or is the confession of Peter the rock? And the answer is yes, they're both. But you got to imagine, here's a guy, Peter, who's trying to decipher what this means. And at the end of his life, and he writes 1 Peter, listen to what he describes to people just like you and me. 1 Peter 2, 4 to 6. As you come to him, a living stone rejected by men, but in the sight of God, chosen and precious. That's Isaiah 28. You yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For it stands in scripture, behold, I am laying in Zion a stone, a cornerstone, chosen and precious, and whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. I love that song. I will build my life upon your love. It is a firm foundation. And I will put my trust in you alone and I will not be shaken. Do you guys realize that we serve a God who wants to give us daily bread? He wants to give us peace for daily troubles. We serve a God who is inviting us along with Christ to put our our self, our flesh to death every day, but in our spirits to be renewed day by day. New mercy, new grace, new revelation, new encounter. We serve a God who takes our fast passing days that are like a mist and they are gone and he turns them into something meaningful and powerful and a blessing to other people, really able to change the whole world if we are people who are living like today is the day. Even, even when God revealed himself to Moses, which you're gonna get to in just a few weeks in Exodus chapter three, what did God give himself as a name, as a revelation to Moses? I love this interaction because Moses is obviously a providential character in the Bible who's the perfect person to bring deliverance to the people of, Egypt, to the people of Israel in Egypt. Moses is. 
He's saved miraculously. And then he's brought into Pharaoh's house. He's raised as an Egyptian. He speaks Hebrew. He speaks Egyptian. He is a Hebrew and has access to all of these Jewish people. And he has access to the finest education in the royal house. He knows everybody in authority and in control. He has instant access to Pharaoh, who's like a brother to him by the time this whole thing goes down. He is in both worlds. And he's obviously the man for the job. God reveals himself to him in the burning bush and says, you're going to be the deliverer of my people. And you know what he says? No, I'm not. Not me. Not me. I'm not doing that. It's not for me. And he goes after excuse, after excuse, after excuse. I can't do that. I I don't talk good. Number one, he starts going through the reasons, right? God's getting a little frustrated with him. And in chapter three, Moses says to God, well, who am I supposed to tell the people sent me? A burning bush? And what does God say? What does he say? I am. He doesn't say, I was the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He doesn't say, I will be. One day I will be the gate. He says, I am. He says, I am that I am. I am what you need right now. I am your present help in time of trouble. I am, I am, I am. I am everything you need and you are meant to be in me. And in Christ, we find the fulfillment of this. All of the promises of God find their yes and amen in Christ. And so when you put your faith in Jesus and you come to God every day, you can expect to experience all the things he wants for you to be and have. You have the mind of Christ. You have a hard time making up your mind? Anybody? Spend some time with the Lord and watch him give you the mind of Christ. Think about what God wants to do for you. You have every spiritual blessing waiting for you every day. Do you know that God wants to pour out gifts on you every day? We just finished Christmas. All the kids got lots of gifts. I got three of my kids right here in the front row. Three days after Christmas, they're like, dad, I want to show you this thing on Amazon that I want. I was like, nope. I don't want to see it. I don't want to talk about it. I don't want to, don't even put it in the cart. Right? Giving season is over. Sorry. Sorry, kids. That's not our God though. Every single day he's got new gifts for you new gifts of revelation, new gifts of presence, new gifts of power, new gifts of anointing. Every single day, there's something for you. And this is why I'm so eager for you to join us in this journey of reading the Bible in six months, not so that you will know more, but so you will know God more. And today is the day for that. Amen. There's a, uh, I'm going to end right here. There is a, there's a tension that happens um, when we get sobered a little bit about how much our days actually are worth and how few of them we have left. Isn't it, isn't it strange how as we get older, our days feel shorter? You guys ever notice that? The days are like this, this fast. And you try to tell a kid that. I remember my dad telling me that. Wait till you get older. I was like, I don't, not, I don't know what that means. <laughs> but the, the older you get, the faster everything seems to go by, right? This is why in Psalm 90, the Psalm of Moses, he cries out, teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. Because when we number our days, we start to get some perspective about things that matter and don't matter. Do you guys know what I'm talking about? I don't think this way, but it happened to me when I turned 40. I just had this brief fleeting thought, 40 is half of 80. I'm halfway dead. <laughs> so I felt like, I was like, this is all, it's halfway. It's like, woo, don't think about that, right? But there's, a, there's like a gravity, there's a gravity that comes in. Oh, when it, Tiffany and I have this author, we like Bob Goff, and he, he like calculated the likelihood of his, of his age upon death based on his genetic like family lineage. And then he like keeps track of what day he's on. I was like, that is so morbid. I cannot do that. It's very deeply meaningful for him. Everyone's different. Um, teach us a number of our days. I like, I like this though, because we don't have, I, I may live to be 80. I may live to be 100. I may live to be 60. I can live to be 42. 
right? I, none of us are promised tomorrow. Martin Luther said there's two days on this calendar. He said this day and that day. Now the Bible talks about the day all the time, but it also talks about that day. Always that day is shorthand for the return of Christ, the final judgment, the new age, the kingdom of God coming to earth. And all this that we're in the middle of right now comes to an end. And we don't know, that day is gonna come like a thief in the night. None of us are gonna see it. No one knows the hour. And Martin Luther was reflecting, like I'm not gonna live for however many days I have, but I I am gonna go, I have today with the Lord. And I know that I'm gonna face him that day. And both of those two days reflect a relationship with God. And that's what I wanna instill and impress upon you as we start this journey is that God, he knows you inside and out, um, but he wants you to know him and he wants you to receive from him and he wants you to grow in your depth of love and dependence upon him. And he wants you to come to marvel. I love that. Uh, marvel at his eyes. This is a marvelous thing. And if it doesn't seem marvelous, you're not seeing it right. Do you understand? And I wanna grow in, I wanna grow in seeing God and just marveling at what he's done. Amen. God, we thank you that we have a door to come to. God, we thank you that there's not gates closed in our face, but the gate has swung wide and the invitation has come. And we thank you that we can come through faith in Christ as a gift of your grace. God, I pray for any person under the sound of my voice that has yet to take that first step through that beautiful open gate, that they would confess their need for you and receive forgiveness and the right to be called a child of God and come in and let today be the day. In Jesus' name and all God's people said, amen, amen. Our prayer teams are here. They would love to pray with you, especially if you prayed that prayer for the first time today. Let them pray with you. God bless you guys. Thank you so much. Look forward to seeing you on the YouVersion app and following on this journey with you. We'll see you next Sunday.